we're in this series that I've called Friendfluence, and I want to talk to you about influence today. We've looked at friendship, what the Bible says about friendship. We've looked at building spiritual friendships with people that do not share our faith, that are not followers of Jesus Christ. I'll be having lunch tomorrow with one of my good friends who's not a Christian, is not a part of a Christian religion, but he and I modeled that relationship that I talked to you about where we're able to have honest dialogue and discussion about our differences, and we both have had influence upon one another. Friendships form the very deepest part of who you are and who I am. There's already been several people this morning I've thanked for the influence that their friendship has had upon my life. And the way that works is kind of, it's kind of like water flowing over the rocks or in a, that's formed a canyon. Millimeter by millimeter through the years, that water forms a deep gorge. If you've ever been to that beautiful part of the country we call the Badlands, you've seen how the wind has shaped those canyons and created those beautiful works of art that we just marvel at, that we call them works of nature, but they're works of God. It's the influence of the water on the stone. It's the, it's the influence of the wind upon sandstone. Friendship is encounter after encounter. It's conversation after conversation. It's dinner by dinner. It's that moment by moment time that we spend with each other. But it's kind of like water. I've stood in trout streams fly fishing. I've stood in places where the wind is blowing and thought to myself, this is much like the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't see it happening today. But little by little, the water is changing this riverbed. Little by little, the wind is changing this landscape. And Having been here 25 years in our community and in this church, I've seen that influence of friendship and the Holy Spirit upon our lives that we don't even realize that we're being shaped and we're being formed. It's what we call influence. It's what we call that part of life that as we rub shoulders with one another, as the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, we, we're having that influence upon each other, and we are different because of our friendships. My life is different because of you, and I hope your life is different and has improved and is better because of my friendship with you, and I can definitely say that my life has been improved. I know I just ask you to stand, but one more time, would you stand? Because we always respect and revere the word of the Lord around here at Woodland. Paul's writing to a church that he loves, and I want you to, to read these words on the screen, but I want you to feel them. I've asked the Holy Spirit to help you feel and experience these words this morning. We always thank God for all of you and pray for all of you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers, dear sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we bought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true, and you know of our concern for you from the way we lived 
when we were with you. Say that with me. We were with you. Say it again. We were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you've imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't even need to tell them about it. Father, I pray this morning that none of us will ever have to tell the story that's my story or anybody's story in this room. But God, we will live such lives of influence that, Lord, like water in a riverbed or wind upon sandstone, that, God, little by little, our community and our world is being changed. But at the same time, I pray for that supernatural difference, the anointing, the power, and the love of the Holy Spirit to flow through us God, to bring the good news, the gospel with power to our friends and our family and let it explode powerfully in our hearts once again this morning, I ask in Christ's name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And you want to grab a pencil and take lots of notes this morning. Influence was not something that I possessed naturally growing up as the way I grew up. It wasn't didn't come to me naturally. As a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons that I have over the years been so careful to emphasize to people that according to most studies, even the most uninfluential of us will influence at least five people to become more like us. In other words, five people, even among the most influential, and as I look around this sanctuary this morning, I don't see people who lack influence, but I see people who have great influence. The three board members or four board members you saw on this platform this morning, all of them have great influence in their areas, some in healthcare, some in radio and communications, some in, in business, some in the chemical industry, as well as in their own industry of, of, of communicating and helping people find their career paths. I see in this congregation people that God has given great influence too and you are influencing people to become just like you and I believe of you just like I pray of mine and Becky's motivations that our greatest desire is to influence people to become like Jesus Christ it's what our mission statement is all about here at Woodland so let's try it again this week celebrating God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. You did it again. You know that last part. Let's say the first part together. I'll repeat it first. You say it. Celebrating God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. Well, people of influence are compelled by a passion. 
There's something about our lives. We're driven, we're compelled, we're fueled by passion. We're fueled by passion for our families, for our marriages, for our careers. We're fueled by compassion for our community. We're fueled by, fueled by compassion. We're compelled by compassion and passion for our church as well. It's what Christ-like living is all about. And so I have a question for all of us this morning is, what are you truly passionate about? What fuels your life? What drives your life? It's that part of our shape that we talk about here, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences. Our heart is our passion. What are you compelled about with your passion? Paul's passion can be summed up in one word as he writes to the Thessalonian Christians, and that one word is Christ. If you want to know what fueled Paul's passion for life and for his ministry, it was his love for God. It was his love for Jesus Christ, and it, it fueled his life. It compelled him. It drove him. Think for a moment about people who've changed the world and made it better, made it different. Think about Albert Schweitzer. Think about Mahatma Gandhi. Think about Martin Luther King Jr. Do you think these people changed the world because they just wished it would be different? Or were they fueled by a passion? Were they driven by something that compelled them to go out and make a difference in the world? They gave their all. Some willingly gave their lives, like Martin Luther King. He gave his life because he believed in what he was doing. And so when I talk about passion, being compelled by a passion, make sure that whatever fuels your life, make sure that whatever drives you in life, make sure it's moving you daily, moment by moment, through your habits, through your decisions, through your event planning. Make sure it's moving you towards accomplishing your purpose in life. Each week when the staff pastors give me their report, there's only one thing I'm really interested in, and how is what you've done moved us more to becoming a church to celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. That's the one thing that drives and fuels my life is that I see people becoming passionate followers of Jesus. G.K. Chesterton that I've quoted often before, he said these words, we do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Can you say amen to that? We don't want a church that wanders from the cross, but the cross stays central to all we believe so that the cross is the center of what is preached from this pulpit. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2, he says, the thing that has upset me so much is that I care about you. This is the passion of God burning inside of me. Because the Corinthians had moved away from the cross, because the Corinthian church was moving with the world rather than moving their community, rather than moving their world, suddenly Paul fires off this letter, if you've ever read 1 Corinthians. He fires this letter full of passion and full of love, and he says, what's driving me is the passion of God burning within me. You say, Pastor, where do I get that passion by fullness of the experience of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit would come and dwell in us and be with us, that the Holy Spirit would be our counselor, the Holy Spirit would be our friend, the Holy Spirit would be our guide. And so the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and He influences us and He counsels us 
to become more like Jesus in everything we do. I love what Chuck Swindoll said in his book, this, and I'd like to read this to you this morning. He said, I've come to realize that there are dimensions of the Spirit's ministry I have never tapped in places in this study about which I know very little. I'm on a strong learning curve. I have witnessed a dynamic power in His presence that I long to know more of firsthand. I now have questions and a strong interest in many of the things of the Spirit that I once felt were subtle. To say it plainly, I am hungry for more of Him. I long to know God more deeply and more intimately. And Chuck was writing in response to the fact that he had become settled and convictions about the Holy Spirit that he was in the world, but wasn't someone that he paid very much attention to, but life had suddenly found this boring place. And as you've heard me say so many times here, there is more to Christianity than what we've experienced. And the Holy Spirit comes along and He influences us to be like Christ. He sanctifies us. He strips away every sin in our lives that makes us less like Jesus. He convicts us when temptation comes our way by tapping on our hearts and saying, that's not the way to walk. This is the way to walk. He fills us with power so that we can do what God has called us to do. But most of all, he makes Jesus real in our life and in his love. When you meet a person that says they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit or they're full in the Holy Spirit and they're prejudiced and they're hateful and they're critical, they've been baptized in something, but it is not the Holy Spirit. They have been baptized in something that is birthed in hell. It is full of contempt. But people of influence also are people they respect people. They love people, but they respect people as well. You see, respecting other people says a lot about us. Respecting people sets you apart. Respecting people causes you to live your life differently. You see, to live in the fear of God, to live in the love of Jesus Christ, to walk in the power and the Holy Spirit is to recognize all the realities of life that we live in the realities of our enemies, the realities of, of evil, but the realities also of good and, and the grace of God that's made manifest in our world. But we live in that reality without allowing contempt to fill our hearts. It's why we can pray for our enemies. It's why we can bless our enemies. It's why we can see enemies of the faith like the Apostle Paul being changed by the power and the influence of God then rather than being cursed, he was blessed even by the very man that was stoning him. I want to be a man that is known for respecting others. Richard John Newhouse, who was a great thinker in America in the 20th century and died just a few years ago, he wrote these words that had a tremendous impact on my life. Civility, which I take to be a strong virtue, and not simply wimpishness. Let's look at that again. Civility, which I take to be a strong virtue and not simply wimpishness, requires that we not try to cram our beliefs down anybody's throats, whether we be Christian or non-Christian or even anti-Christian, but that all we try to articulate as persuasively as we can what it is that we believe, of course, in the hope that others will be persuaded. And as a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, 
It is what Newhouse tried to do with his life and his philosophy and his writing and his thinking was to persuade even his enemies to become passionate followers of Christ. Look at how Paul began this chapter. He speaks with such respect. This is the apostle Paul, but he speaks with such respect to these Greek Christians. And remember how Jews and Greeks had despised one another, but oh, what a difference Jesus makes. Can you say amen to that? What a difference Jesus makes between the races. What a difference Jesus makes between the classes. What a difference Jesus makes between the nationalities. You and I have a family that spans this globe in Russia, in China, in the South Pacific, in South America, in Israel, and in Palestine or Gaza. We have family, brothers and sisters in Christ, and it is respect that brings us there. And Paul wrote these words, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. Who do you thank God for every day besides your beautiful wife or your handsome husband? Besides your gorgeous children, who do you thank God for every day in your life? As Paul speaks these words, he's saying, I am so grateful for you and what you do in my life. But then notice the respect that Paul shows to these Greek Christians. We think of your faithful work your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Family, this is high praise coming from the Apostle Paul. This is what we call down south, living in tall cotton. The Apostle Paul was to say about this, about our church, we just kind of put our hands on our hips and say, thank you. I mean, our whole self-esteem would be lifted up because the Apostle Paul said this about us. And this is high praise. He's saying, God is working through you. He's saying that this is the kind of people that our world needs to be made of, or people like you. And he's saying that you have been gifted in so many different ways. So people of influence... They decide, they decide, I want to make a difference in the world. People of influence don't just want life to happen, but they want to actually make a difference in the world. They determine, God put me here to make a difference. And I got to tell you, that one thought changed my life as a young Christian, still struggling with so many things, but that one thought when I heard it preached and I remember when that pul- preacher thundered across the pulpit, and it seemed like he pointed that long, bony finger right at me, and he says, God put you here to make a difference. Suddenly, that changed my perspective, and that changed my life, because people of influence know that we're not here to take up space. We are not here to consume resources. We are not here to get fat and sassy. We are here to make a difference for the glory of God. Well, somebody give him a hand of praise this morning. God has a plan and a will for your life. And so people of influence, they seek to live out God's purpose for their lives. I love going to Africa. I've had so many good trips there. I picked up on so many little African proverbs and saying because they have all kinds of them. But this is one of my favorites. If you think you are too small to make a difference, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. If you think you don't have influence, if you think, oh, I can't make a difference, think about that little small mosquito that even in the heat and the humidity of Africa, you're pulling that sheet over your head. 
One night I was staying in the jungle and my mosquito netting had a great big old hole and all I could do was put towels over my head and snuggle in my sleeping bag. It was like sleeping in a sauna. It was just awful. I woke up the next morning not smelling righteous, let's put it that way. But that mosquito made a difference in my life that I've never forgotten. So I ask you this morning, isn't it time to make a decision? Isn't it time to think about what you're passionate about in life and to say, I'm going to take charge of my life through God's Word and with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to become a friend that influences my friends to Jesus Christ. One person, one person begins to make a difference when they decide that they want to have influence on somebody else's life and they're sincerely look at me they're sincerely passionate about following Jesus Christ you see your politics don't persuade me your community memberships are not persuasive but when you are passionate about Jesus and his love Shimon Perez's press secretary told me at the Western Wall, what you know is the Wailing Wall, as we were sitting there, he looked at me and he said that Jesus Christ had to be one of the most, he didn't say Christ, he said Jesus had to be one of the most persuasive people that ever lived because he loved people, he fed people, he cared for people, he sincerely wanted them to understand his message. I recognize him as one of the most persuasive people that ever lived. Last week, a Muslim man looked at me, and he told me out of his own lips, he says, Jesus, talking about Jesus, he says, he is one of the most persuasive men. I honor Jesus, and, and though he's not a Christian and has not, doesn't recognize Christ as the Son of God, he began to tell me all these wonderful things about Jesus. You see, there is a difference when you have a head knowledge like Mr. Perez's press secretary. There is a difference when you have a head knowledge like my mother. Muslim friend this past week, but there is an amazing, powerful, life-changing difference when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, and the Holy Spirit begins to express the love of God, the compassion of God, and the power of God. Suddenly, you make an amazing difference in other people's life because of the influence of Jesus Christ. Can we give him a hand of praise for that today? A personal encounter with God. Now let's look as I get ready to close here. What Paul writes to these Christians, he says, we now have this light. Who is that light? Jesus, this light shining in our hearts. Our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are not crushed. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Read that with me. I believed in God, so I spoke. How many of you believe that this morning? Well, let's say it again with a little more passion. I believe in God, so I spoke. That is why we never give up. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Wow. All that this world lives and fights and strives for will soon pass away. But 
the things that you and I cannot see that Christ has purchased for us by his blood, our loved ones and all that heaven affords, it's ours. Mike Singletary, one of the greatest football players that ever lived, I don't know if you know this, but Mike Singletary is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. It's a little lengthy, but follow along with me. Mike said, the first thing in my life by far and the reason I do everything is my love for Jesus Christ. Number two is my family, being there for them and making sure I'm not missing time that I can't get back. Number three is my work, speaking to corporations about teamwork, leadership, and cultural diversity and trying to help people come together. I don't care where I'm at or what I'm doing. The thing I want to do now in my life is make a difference and serve with a capital S. Serve in my home, serve in my relationship with my wife, and serve my fellow man. For me, it's a matter of what am I doing to make a difference? What am I doing except making money? There are a lot of people out there who are hurting. So I just have one question for you this morning. Who do you want to influence? Who is it that you know that your heart is passionate for to know Jesus Christ? Who is it that you can become like the wind and the water? Who is it that you will allow the Holy Spirit in that beautiful language the King James has, the Spirit of the Lord bloweth where it listeth and no man can tell where it comes from. Who is it that you love so much that you will allow the Spirit of God to flow through you? Paul said in verse 5 of our text this morning, you know of our concern from you, from the way we lived when we were with you. From the way we lived. Live in this world, but don't be of this world. Live in this life, but let Christ manifest himself in those dark strongholds that you go into every day. You say, Pastor, how do I do this? Look at your growth work. Stay in the scriptures. Spiritual influence requires minds that are immersed into the scriptures. Balance your time between television and books and novels. and Be sure your mind is immersed in the scripture. Charles Spurgeon said, nobody ever outgrows the scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. And I can say amen, amen, and amen to that. Number two, stay connected to Christ. Come to Christ Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse 4. You are also a group of holy priests, and with the help of Jesus Christ, you will offer sacrifices that please God. Look at this verse with me carefully. Leave it up on the screen for just a moment. You are a come to Christ. Come to Christ. You are also a group of holy priests. How many of you know what the Latin word for priest is? It's pontifics. Pontifics, and some of you may remember when I had a big bridge built across this platform. Priests means bridge builders. We are building bridges into the world for Jesus Christ. I asked somebody in the UP, what was it like before the Mighty Mac was built? And they said, oh, it was totally different. We never even felt like a part of Michigan until the mighty Mac was built. Do you know the difference that your life can make for people who don't know that God loves them, for people who think maybe God has given up on them, for people that 
God is not even a second thought in their mind. But as you build a bridge from your life saying, Lord, make me a bridge builder. And you can only do that by staying connected to Jesus Christ. And then finally, be a person of integrity. <laughs> be a person of integrity. Now, I'm going to date myself, and some of you young folks are going to go, who? But go home and look it up on Wikipedia, and you'll find it later. But nobody put it better than the late Frank Zappa. That's all baby boomers laughing right now. Frank Zappa said, you is what you is. Say that with me. You is what you is. You are not what you do. Who you are influences what you do. Who you are influences what you do. You are a new creature. Look at me. You Look at me. All across this room. Don't look at anybody else. Look at me. Hear these words. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no mountain you can't climb. There is no ocean of difference you can't build a bridge across. Because God is greater than all that you face in this world. You is what you is this morning. Be a passionate follower of Jesus. They will see, 1 Peter 2.12, they will see your honorable behavior, talking about unbelievers, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Would you stand with me this morning? Now, Father, I pray that because of the influence of this congregation, God, all of us together, Becky and me and this entire church, those that are part of our online campuses that are watching this morning, that God, people will give honor to you because of the life of Christ being lived in us. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, blow through every crack and crevice of my life. Blow out any dust. Blow out any dead traditions. Come and bring life, I pray, in the name of Jesus, the very breath of the Holy Spirit into my life. Come, living water of Christ. Fill our cups to overflowing, O Holy Spirit. Quench our souls, and when we go out of this place, may the life-giving water of God flow in the dry and parched places in this weary, war-torn, stricken world that we live in. Come, O Holy Spirit, and make us people of influence. For influence, I pray. If there are any that are watching or here this morning that have never committed their lives to you, then I ask you that right now, right now, Lord, without hesitation, but boldly, 
they'll just simply join me in this prayer. And if that's you, will you just pray with me? You can pray quietly if you'd like. But say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Father in heaven, thank you for giving Christ to die for my sins. And thank you for raising him up from the dead that I might indeed be born again. So as much as I know how, I commit my life to you. I want to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. While no one's looking around, if you prayed that with me, would you just hold up your hand and say, Pastor, God bless you. God bless you. Someone else. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Pastor, I'm praying that with you. If you prayed that online, please let us know. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Can we really just exalt him for all that he's done this morning? Now may God, who describes himself as one who dwells in unapproachable light, who has made himself known to us in Christ Jesus, God who inhabits all of eternity in its canopy of space, May his tender, loving mercies be yours forever and ever. And may you say with the psalmist, the Lord is my light. And may you go out of this place being a light for Jesus Christ. God bless you. Go in peace this morning.